Isaiah chapter 30, verse 1. Woe to apostate sons, the affirmation of Jehovah, to do counsel, and not from me, and to spread out a covering, and not of my spirit, so as to add sin to sin. This describes well some of the doctrine that's in churches today. It's apostate doctrine because it tells people that they're forgiven for their future sins even before they commit those sins and that there's no way that they can stop sinning and it makes people think that they don't need to repent. Satan would also agree that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world. But Jesus himself commanded us to repent and believe everything that he said. But in churches, Christians are taught that they only have to believe one thing, that God loves them so much that he sent his only son to die for them. They don't believe anything else. Yet Jesus spent all of his ministry telling people to repent. The council of apostate teachers leads people into sin. Two, who are walking to go down to Egypt, and my mouth have not asked, to be strong in the strength of Pharaoh, and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. In the Bible, Egypt represents sin, and it also represents the world. Whenever Christians are putting their faith in things of the world, such as a bank account, a retirement account, a timeshare, networking relationships, a spouse, or anything like their health, all of that is represented by Egypt when we really don't trust Jesus. We're trying to make our own way in the world, and we're trying to save ourselves. In this verse, it says that the Israelites didn't even ask the Lord if they should go to Egypt. And it always shows a lack of faith when we forget to ask the Lord what he wants us to do. 3. And the strength of Pharaoh hath been to you for shame, and the trust in the shadow of Egypt confusion. This verse might be referring to the Israelites trusting in Egypt as a war ally to help them fight against the Assyrians, but the Lord would make those plans fell because he wants his children to only trust in him. 4. For in Zoan were his princes, and his messengers reach Hanes. Zoan and Hanes are places in Egypt. 5. All he made ashamed of a people that profit not, neither for help, not for profit, but for shame, and also for reproach. When the ambassadors of Egypt came to Judah, they didn't believe that Judah had anything to offer them. In the world, we're judged by what we can offer other people. But the Lord doesn't look at us that way. He'll help us if we trust him, even when we have nothing to offer, which we really don't. When it comes to the Lord, there's nothing we could give him that he needs. 6. The burden of the beasts of the south into a land of adversity and distress, of young lion and of old lion, whence are viper and flying seraph. They carry on the shoulder of asses their wealth, and on the hump of camels their treasures, unto a people not profitable. The people of Judah wanted to buy Egypt's protection, so they used their donkeys and their pack animals to carry a bunch of riches to Egypt to pay Egypt off, but it ended up being a waste of money. 7. Yea, Egyptians are vanity, and in vain do help. Therefore I have cried concerning this. Their strength is to sit still. The world will sit still when we really need help. 
And that's what the Egyptians did with the people of Judah. They probably took the riches and still didn't help Judah anyway. Kind of like a lawyer who wants to take all your money, but when he goes to court, he won't fight for you. 8. No, go in, write it on a tablet with them, and on a book engrave it, and it is for a latter day, for a witness unto the age. So this prophecy, as with most prophecies in the Bible, it is not only historical in the sense that it would happen after the prophet said it would happen, and it's already happened to date, but it's also prophetic of end times. The Israelites will put their trust in the world when they should have been trusting in the Lord. And we kind of see that today in Israel because they have an earthly government. They don't have the government that the Lord told them to set up in the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy and Leviticus. They have a government that's very similar to the governments of the rest of the worlds, and that shows a lack of faith. 9. That a rebellious people is this son's liars, sons not willing to hear the law of Jehovah. And likewise, there are many Christians who don't want to know the Lord's laws that are in the Old Testament because they don't want to be responsible for knowing what those laws are, and they think that ignorance will cover them, but it won't. We all have Bibles in our homes, and if we choose not to read those Bibles, we'll be held accountable because his word is right at our fingertips. 10. Who have said to seers, ye do not see, and to prophets, ye do not prophesy to us straightforward things. Speak to us smooth things, prophesy deceits. A perverse people is a people who only wants to hear good words. And these Israelites only wanted positive statements said to them. What people need to hear the most is that they should repent and follow the Lord, because he loves them and he does want to spend all of eternity with them. But he won't stop being God, so he'll never excuse their sin. They have to repent. But prophets today just want to tell everybody how much God is going to bless them. 11. Turn aside from the way, decline from the path, cause to cease from before us the Holy One of Israel. The Israelites were saying, we don't want to be told to repent. We want to be told how we're going to get blessed by the Lord. We don't want to hear what God has to say. In the Old Testament, prophets were punished because they told the truth and they told people to repent. Sometimes prophets were put in prison. Sometimes prophets were even killed. Jesus spoke of Zechariah, the prophet that was killed in the temple, because he spoke the truth. 12. Therefore thus said the Holy One of Israel, and that is Jesus, because of your kicking against his word, and ye trust in oppression, and perverseness, and rely on it. 13. Therefore is this iniquity to you as a breach falling, swelled out in a wall set on high, whose destruction suddenly at an instant cometh. This is a metaphor saying that your sin is going to be like a fat person falling off of a high wall and there's going to be a huge splatter. Your sin will come back in your face. And trusting in oppression means when you take advantage of other people. And perversity is when you resist the law of the Lord. And that is apostasy. 
Again, there's a difference between being a backslidden Christian and being an apostate Christian. The apostate doesn't believe that they're doing anything wrong. They're proud in their sin, and they have no intention whatsoever of repenting. The backslidden Christian knows that they're wrong, and they know that they need to repent, and they may have a lot of guilt about their sin. But in both cases, the person still must repent. The backslidden Christian needs to pray a lot for the faith and the grace from the Lord to resist temptation. And the Lord will deliver that person if that person is sincere. 14. And he hath broken it as the breaking of the potter's bottle. Beaten down, he doth not spare. Nor is there found in its beating down a potsherd to take fire from the burning and to draw out waters from a ditch. Here is another metaphor. The Lord is saying that he's going to punish the Israelites so bad that they will be like broken pottery. And it will be as if the pottery pieces are so small that they can't even be used for simple things like carrying ashes from the fire or carrying water out of a ditch. They will be totally worthless, just as a pot that was broken up into so many pieces that it can't be used for anything. 15. For thus said the Lord Jehovah, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest ye are saved. In keeping quiet and in confidence is your might, and ye have not been willing. The Lord said to them, Don't ask Egypt for help. Don't make a deal with the devil. Stay at home and trust in me and rest and let me work my miracles. But they didn't trust him, and they tried to handle things their own way, and they went to Egypt and asked for help. And today Christians get tempted to profit from worldly organizations that may give donations or might give grant money to us. And we're tempted to put our faith in making a deal with the devil. But the Lord wants us to rest and not reach out to the world for help and let him help us. Then we'll have a great testimony. There isn't much of a testimony in some worldly organization giving us a handout that we may not even deserve. But that's what Israel wanted. They wanted a handout from Egypt. They wanted Egypt to loan them their army. And Israel didn't even deserve it. 16. And ye say, No, for on a horse we flee, therefore ye flee, and on the swift we ride, therefore swift are your pursuers. Because the Israelites wanted horses from Egypt to help them fight, and they wanted riders, he says, Because you wanted Egypt to make your army stronger, I'm going to send an army that's stronger than yours. 17. One thousand, because of the rebuke of one, because of the rebuke of five, ye flee, till ye have been surely left as a pool on the top of the mountain, and as an ensign on the height. In the book of Leviticus, he says, A thousand will fall by your left, and ten thousand by your right, when you obey me. The armies will die in front of you, because I will conquer them. But now he's reversing it and saying, because of your sin, one man in the opposing army will kill a thousand of you, or five men in the opposing army will make you retreat in the battle. So it's a reversal of that promise in Leviticus. It's now become a curse here in Isaiah 
because of their sin. Every single promise that God made to his people in the Bible always comes with stipulations. We always have to repent and follow him to receive those promises. All of his promises apply to his children, those who obey him. In the churches, they teach us that all of these promises are for the general public, for anybody who goes to church, and that isn't true. If you aren't obeying him, none of the promises in the Bible apply to you, and that's why here in Isaiah, it's completely reversed. This verse is saying that they'll just have a little tiny army left on top of a mountain because most of them are going to flee and they're going to run up the mountain to try to get away from the Assyrians and there will only be a few of them left up there. 18. And therefore doth wait Jehovah to favor you, and therefore he is exalted to pity you. For a God of judgment is Jehovah, O oh, the blessedness of all waiting for him. Now this chapter is going to transition into what will happen after his people repent and how he will bless them and have pity and mercy on them when they repent of their sins. Unfortunately, with us humans, we usually don't repent until after we've been burned and disciplined a whole lot. That's just like the Israelites here. After they get punished thoroughly, then they'll repent and then the Lord will bless them. 19. For the people in Zion dwell in Jerusalem. Weep thou not, weeping, pitying. He pitieth thee at the voice of thy cry. When he heareth, he answereth thee. And this says, as soon as the Lord hears his people crying and repenting, he will immediately answer their prayers. 20. And the Lord hath given to you bread of adversity and water of oppression, and thy directors remove no more, and thine eyes have seen thy directors. The Israelites will see the people who have oppressed them conquered, and that means the Assyrians. The bread of adversity and the water of oppression, that's a metaphor for the food that you get when you're in prison. You only get enough bread and enough water to live, but never enough to be satisfied. 21. And thine ear heareth a word behind thee, saying, this is the way, go ye in it, when ye turn to the right and when ye turn to the left. The Lord says, after you repent, you'll be able to hear my voice and I will tell you whether to go right or left. And this is for protection. The Lord always speaks to his children and gives them guidance. 22. And ye have defiled the covering of thy graven images of silver, and the ephod of thy molten image of gold. Thou scatterest them as a sickening thing. Go out, thou sayest to it. When they repent of their sins, they will destroy all of their idols. They'll throw their idols out like trash, and they won't keep any trophies of their past idol worship. What a beautiful thing when we throw our trophies away and when we scatter our idols and toss them out like junk. Today, idols can be movie stars or sports heroes or money or our own body image or our image in the community. It can also be controlling other people. An idol can be just about anything. But what a beautiful thing when we cast out our idols. 23. And he hath given rain for thy seed, with which thou dost sow the ground, and bread, the increase of the ground, and it hath been fat and plenteous, and joy do thy cattle in that day, and enlarged pasture.
The Lord says that their land will prosper, their animals will give birth, and their agriculture will boom. That doesn't mean that we're always going to be rich, but it means that our needs will always be met. 24. And the oxen and the young asses serving the ground fermented provender do eat, that one is winnowing with shovel and fan. Even the animals will have better food than they did before. They'll get to eat expensive provender in abundance. 25. And there hath been on every high mount, and on every exalted hill, rivulets, streams of waters, in a day of much slaughter, in the falling of towers. At the top of the hills there will be rivers flowing, which is normally impossible. Normally there's less moisture at the top of a hill, so it's showing an abundance of moisture. But that has a spiritual meaning. It means that the remnant who follow the Lord will be abundant in spiritual water of life, which is Christ. They will have salvation. 26. And the light of the moon hath been as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun is sevenfold as the light of seven days, in the day of Jehovah's binding up the breach of his people, when the stroke of its wound he healeth. This is metaphor. It's saying that both the moon and the sun will increase in brightness. The sun will be seven times brighter. This would have to be metaphor because it's never happened in the past, and it isn't prophesied in the book of Revelation. In fact, in the book of Revelation, it says that the sun and the moon will go dark. So this has to be a spiritual metaphor, saying that there will be happiness and joy. That's what the light is representing. And that it would be when the Lord heals what he broke. See, he breaks us in order to get us to repent. And then after we repent, he heals us. 27. Lo, the name of Jehovah is coming from afar. Burning is his anger, and great the flame. His lips have been full of indignation, and his tongue is as a devouring fire. This sounds like the second coming of Christ, because in Revelation, it says that he will have a sword coming out of his mouth. It would make sense that his tongue also has fire if his mouth is a sword. He will destroy those who refuse to repent. 28. And his breath is as an overflowing stream, unto the neck it divideth, to sift nations with a sieve of vanity, and a bridle causing to err is on the jaws of the peoples. When we're stuck in our sin and our arrogance and self-importance, then the Lord allows us to be stupid and make really bad mistakes and blunders. That is the bridle that's causing us to err. But it's put on us because of our sin that we won't repent of. And it says that there's a sieve of vanity that he puts the nations through. So whenever nations believe that they're better than God, then they have to go through a sieve just like flour going through a sieve and getting refined. 29. Singing is to you as in a night sanctified for a festival, and joy of heart as he who is going with a pipe to go into the mountain of Jehovah unto the rock of Israel. You know, whenever there's a party, people play music, and they sing and they dance. And it says that you will be singing when I repair your wounds. 
30, and caused to be heard hath Jehovah the honor of his voice, and the coming down of his arm he doth show, with a raging of anger, and the flame of a consuming fire, scattering, and indignation, and hellstone. It's also prophesying the second coming of Christ, when he destroys those who hate the Lord, because he is the arm of the Father, and his voice will destroy people. And Revelation also mentions fire and hellstone. 31. For from the voice of Jehovah broken down is assure, with a rod he smiteth. Going all the way back to verse 25, it was talking about when the Lord destroys the Assyrians. He's going to destroy their sacrificial hills, and then the people are going to rejoice, and the sun is going to be bright, his children are going to play music, and then he's also going to destroy Assyria with his tongue of fire and his lips of indignation, and he's also going to flood Assyria spiritually so that they drown, and he's going to put a bridle on Assyria so that they make bad judgments and they lose their battles. And then his children are going to sing and play music and worship the rock of Israel, who is Jesus, and his people will hear his voice. And he will assault the Assyrians with hellstone and fire. Now you might say, how can they praise Jesus in the Old Testament? They knew that the Lord had a son. They knew that God has a son. So they were praising the right arm of the Lord, which is his son. They just didn't know his name would be Jesus. 31. For from the voice of Jehovah broken down is assure, with a rod he smiteth. So it's just going to be like God is going to beat Assyria with a stick. 32. And every passage of the settled staff that Jehovah causeth to rest on him hath been with tabarets and with harps, and in battles of shaking he hath fought with it. And this could be a reference to Second Kings 19, when the Lord killed 185,000 Assyrians in one night. 33, for arranged from former time is Tophet, even it for the king is prepared. He hath made deep, and he hath made large. Its pile is fire and much wood. The breath of Jehovah, as a stream of brimstone, is burning in it. Tophet was a place near Jerusalem where the pagans offered child sacrifice and they would make their children walk in the fire until they died. And these sacrifices were for demon gods. And here the Lord says, I'm going to burn up the pagans who offered these sacrifices. Instead of them sacrificing their children, they're going to become a sacrifice. And that concludes Isaiah chapter 30.